Welcome to an enlightening podcast from IslamPodcasts.com. We encourage our listeners to please comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please remind your family and friends to also visit IslamPodcasts.com for engaging discussions on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, Sira, and much more. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Wa salatu wa salam ala rasulullahi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'een. Rabbi shrah li sadri wa yassir li amri wa hlul uqdatam min lisani yafqahu qawli. First of all, I'd like to thank the masjid to invite me and give me an opportunity to speak on a subject which is, which cannot be covered in, uh, forget about one talk, maybe there's no way to cover the subject, to talk about the legacy of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Before I even di- dive into the subject, I actually want to play a little bit of the Qur'an which was recited by my beloved brother in Islam, and uh, the brothers who are sitting here, it was recited by their father, Rahmatullah alayhi. He passed away last February, and he was he has given khutbah in this masjid as well, by the way, for the Salatul Jum'ah. The reason I like to talk about the play this one is, of course, when I received this audio. It reminded me of our beloved brother Abu Ghassim rahmatullah alayhi and uh, the kind of a Muslim brother he was we will always remember as long as we live insha'Allah and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala increase his levels in the Jannah. <laughs> The reason I played this Qur'an besides in the remembrance of the brother, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will continue to give, continue to increase the weight of the scale through many means, insha'Allah. And uh, when we talk about the legacy of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, or carrying the legacy of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, to achieve the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, these are the kind of men that I am aware of who continue to carry or try their best to carry 
the legacy of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And that itself, for us to gather here in North America and remembering Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, this itself is one of the legacies of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So, when we want to talk about the legacy of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, or we want to carry, then we should know what is the legacy of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And that is, inshallah, one of the attempts to just talk about just one aspect of the legacy of Rasulullah that we will try to cover insha'Allah today. But before I go into it, I want to remind myself and, Allah, uh, and all of us here what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said about Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ya ayyuhan nabiyu inna arsalnaka shahidan wa mubashiran wa nadira. وَدَعِيًّا إِلَى اللَّهِ بِإِذْنِهِ وَسِرَاجًا مُنِيرًا صدق الله العظيم O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, O Prophet Verily, we have sent you as witness and a bearer of glad tidings and a warner and as one who invites to Allah by his leave and as a lamp spreading the light that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave it to him that's the legacy of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. This is what he did. That he invited the people towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And there are many aspects we can talk about the legacy of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Before I go there, I want to quote something which is many of us have heard before. But it is important for us to connect it to today's time, what we are, where we are in. And there are many different historians have said many things about Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. One of the writers, as I said, many of you always, most probably know, was Michael Hart. And he said, he mentioned in his book, The Hundred Most Influential Persons in History. He said, writing about Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, of humble origins, Muhammad founded, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, founded and promulgated one of the world's greatest religions and became an immensely effective political leader today, 13th century after his death. His influence is still powerful and pervasive. These are the words of a non-Muslim about Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He could not but to accept the legacy of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The impression, the impact that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam left on the mankind. Left alone just the Muslims. And we can talk about the legacy of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam from many aspects. That he was perfect in his morals as the Shaykh was mentioning. The most generous, kind person, merciful among the creation, the best father, the best husband, the best friend, or the best neighbor. We can keep on, go on and on about Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa And we may not be able to talk about any of the, those things in detail to cover them comprehensively in one talk or probably many, many talks. But today, 
While we are talking about Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and one of the reason is that many places in many masajid, many uh, uh, organizations who are holding lectures about Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam because of the month of the year we are in, which is the Rabi'ul Awwal. This is the month Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam came to the world. This is the very same month Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam migrated from Mecca to Medina. And that migration is also marked as one of the greatest events of the mankind. That turned the whole world around. That is the impact that Rasulullah made that we are all Muslims. This is the very same thing Rasulullah did because that what Rasulullah did that when he migrated from Mecca to Medina, he established the deen of Allah Azza wa Jal and that continued to, to expand from there on. That's also the legacy of Rasulullah wasallam. So for us to limit the legacy of Rasulullah wasallam to one thing or two things or three things will be really an injustice to the legacy of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He came and he changed the whole world. As Rubai bin Amir radiallahu an, he put it together in a very powerful way when he was talking to Rustam, one of the generals of the Persian army, one of the great generals of the Persian army. And when he was inquired about why these Arabs are coming to fight with the Persians. They used to look down at the Persians, or the Arabs. That these people, they don't have enough to eat. They don't have enough to clothe themselves. And they want to fight with us. The Persian Empire of that time, one of the two superpowers on the face of the earth at that time, he even offered them like that. If you want, we'll give you money. For each soldier who's there, we'll give you clothing. Go back. We don't even want to bother with you. It doesn't even, there's nothing for, for us to even fight with you. And when he asked for the purpose, Rubai bin Amir radiallahu an, he said, We've been sent by Allah Azza wa Jal. We've been sent by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to take the people out of words, the creation of Allah. Take them out in worshipping the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and make them worship the creator of the creation. Take them out of narrowness of this dunya that they are busy with and take them to the vastness of this dunya and the akhirah and take the people out of the oppression of all the adiyan, all the ways of life. This is what he said about why he was there. And he was on the mission that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam started. <coughs> so when we are talking about Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, the thing that I like to talk about the legacy of Rasulullah sallallahu was, that's his legacy that we love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala today. That's his legacy. And I'm again saying it's just one aspect of it I'm talking about. And when we talk about love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it cannot be achieved 
without loving Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So these two things go hand in hand. Question comes in that what is this love of Allah and His Messenger we talk about? We know Allah subhanahu wa taala has commanded when Allah subhanahu wa taala says, "Qul in kuntum tuhibun Allah fattabi'uni." يُحْبِبْكُمُ اللَّهُ وَيَغْفِلْ لَكُمْ ذُنُوبَكُمْ وَاللَّهُ غَفُورُ الرَّحِيمُ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Say, O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, If you love me, then follow Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Love of Allah cannot be achieved without following Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And what is in return Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does? Allah will love you. Allah will love you for following Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And then what is love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? The love of Allah is that Allah will forgive your sins. He will be merciful on you. And that's what we are looking for. That's what we are looking for. And we are looking for the pleasure of Allah azza wa jal, Allah. That's what we are after. So when we talk about the love of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam mentioned, he, taught, he said, the hadith is reported by Imam Bukhari, لَا يُؤْمِنُوا أَحَدُكُمْ حَتَّى أَكُونَ أَحَبَّ إِلَيْهِ مِنْ وَالِدِهِ وَوَلَدِهِ وَالنَّاسِ أَجْمَعِينَ You cannot be a believer, you cannot be a true believer. If you, unless you love Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam more than your children, more than your father. More than Anas Ajma'een, all the people together. You have to love Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam more than all those things. That's the only way for us to be a believer. And Imam Al-Khattabi, when he is explaining this hadith, and he says that it means that you will not be in true in love for me, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, until you exhaust yourself in my obedience. Until you prefer my pleasure over your whims and desires, even it may lead you to your death. That's the love of Rasulullah wasallam. we are talking about. And I will talk a little bit more to explain, because the word love does not, sometimes does not resonate with us. What, what, what does it mean by love when we say? Exactly. Umar al-Khattar radiallahu an, he was with Rasulullah wasallam. when the hadith says, that Abdullah bin Hisham says, قَالَ كُنَّا مَعَ نَبِيَّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ وَهُوَ آخِذٌ بِيَدِ عُمَرِ بْنِ خَطَّابِ فَقَالَ لَهُ عُمَرِ يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ لَأَنْتَ أَحَبُّ إِلَيَّ مِنْ كُلِّ شَيْءٍ إِلَّا مِنْ نَفْسِي Umar bin Khattab رضي الله عنه Rasulullah was holding his hand so to see the love of Rasulullah is coming out he is saying, Ya Rasulullah, I love you more than everything except myself Subhanallah. Umar and the Sahaba, they were very clear. They were not the one, they have something else in their hearts and something else in their mouth. They were clear. Whatever was in their heart, you can tell. And Umar was very clear. I love you, telling Rasulullah I love you more than everything except myself. Myself is important still. Rasulullah says, No, it's not going to happen. You're not going to be a believer until you love me more than yourself as well. Now Umar al-Khattab radiallahu anh, he says, 
Right away, Umar al-Khattab realizes what Rasulullah was referring. He said, yeah, by Allah, I love you more than my soul also now, my nafs. And Rasulullah replied to him that, Al-ana ya Umar, now you have it. Now you have it. So Umar had it after he confirmed that he loved Rasulullah more than anything. Now, as I said, I will talk about what is love. I gave one of the examples from Al-Khattabi, how he mentioned what is the love of Rasulullah wasallam. There are many scholars discuss this subject because this is a very important subject. It's connected to our Iman. That we have to love Allah and His Messenger. Al-Azhari says, A servant's love for Allah and His Messenger means obeying them and following their command. It's not like this. We say we love Allah, and our actions are opposite to what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says and His Messenger says. Love means that you follow Allah. If you're talking about loving Allah, you follow Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You're talking about loving Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, we follow Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Al-Baydawi says, love is the will to obey. It is very well connected to obedience. And obedience to produce actions. Similarly, Ibn Arafah says, Love is the language of Arab means willing a thing uprightly. And Allah's love for His servant means forgiveness, acceptance, and reward. So we talked about man's love towards Allah and His Messenger. So we obey. What is Allah's love towards the mankind? That Allah will forgive us. Allah will accept our actions and reward us. And there are many other scholars I've talked about. I have a list of it. I'm not going to go over the whole detail of that. But what we have to understand is when we are talking about this aspect of the legacy of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, that exists today among all the Muslims as well. But we have to really go back and re-evaluate ourselves. Are we aligned with this legacy of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam or not? Because it's not the purpose is just to talk about Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has what he has done. The main thing is, what is there for me now? What is there for us now? Right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran when it comes to the love of Allah and His Messenger and fighting in His path, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, قُلْ إِنْ كَانَ آبَاؤُكُمْ وَأَبْنَاؤُكُمْ وَإِخْوَانُكُمْ وَأَزْوَاجُكُمْ وَعَشِيرَتُكُمْ وَأَمْوَالٌ اِقْتَرَفْتَمُوهَا وَتِجَارَةٌ تَخْشَوْنَا كَسَادَهَا وَمَسَاكِنُ تَرْدَوْنَهَا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala here is talking about eight things. What are those eight things of people? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Tell Muhammad to them, If you love your fathers, your children, your brothers, your spouses, your tribes, your tribes or whatsoever your, your kins and kids are, your wealth that you gain, and the wealth that you have put in the tijara, and you have a fear you're going to lose it, and the houses that you are living in, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, أَحَبَّ إِلَيْكُمْ مِنَ اللَّهِ Allah 
Subhanallah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us all from this kind of a fitna, this kind of a test. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, if you love all those eight things which are mentioned, more than Allah and His Messenger, and fighting in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then wait for the decree from Allah azza wa jal. Wait for the punishment from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we know what the love of Allah and His Messenger is, which is in obedience to Allah and His Messenger. And we also understand, if we prefer anything else over the love of Allah and His Messenger, then that is a destruction for us in this dunya and in akhirah. And I'll talk about that. Why am I saying this is a destruction for us in this dunya and the akhirah? Because when we are preferring other things than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, meaning instead of following, obeying Allah and His Messenger, when we are dealing with our fathers, let's say taking care of the father, uh, I have to keep my father in the best possible place, and the thing is, I am being a nice son, so to keep him in a nice place, I may have to, to get involved in riba. So he will be in a nicer place, so I'll be taking care of him. What did we just do here if somebody does this? He has disobeyed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So now the love of the father is higher than the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. All the children, the one Allah azza wa jal referred to them as a fitna for you. The very same children, if they become more important than staying within the limitations Allah has drawn for us, and we cross those boundaries, who do we love them more? Allah or the children? Who do we love more? Our spouses or Allah? Who do we love more? Our tribes, our community or Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Do we start cutting corners in the deen of Allah azza wa jal that if I follow strictly what Allah wants, I may have loss in this dunya. I may lose things here and there. Or people may not like me. Hence, it's okay now becomes to disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Is this really a love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Is this a love above all? And same thing can go for the businesses that we have, the houses we buy, or the wealth that we have accumulated to gain more and more wealth. Is this really loving Allah and His Messenger? See, it is, a, it is an obligation on us to love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and His Messenger. By obeying Allah and His Messenger. There is no doubt about that, that we have to obey Allah and His Messenger. But if we start preferring other things than Allah, other than Allah, to find out what action should we be undertaking. So what are we doing? Look, we either obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this is what Rubai bin Amir was referring to. It's up to us. We either obey Allah or we obey the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Choice is up to us. We are always, we are always making the decision between two things. Why am I saying the other way is the creation? Because if that creation could be the system made by men, that could be just whatever I think is right today for my benefit, either me, some other people are deciding right or wrong for me, or it could go along by my whims and desires, whatsoever that is. So it's either I am and we are, Following Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There is no ifs and buts here. So hence, either we are following Allah or the creation of Allah means that 
When we are going after, when the ayah was reciting from Surah Tawbah about the eight things, that's the dunya for us, all of us. And those things are obligatory on us in many cases. To create, make the wealth, take care of the parents, take care of the children, take care of the spouses. Generate the wealth, work for it. Have a house, all those things are important and obligatory also. But they cannot be fulfilled by disobeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They cannot be fulfilled by leaving the, the commands of Allah on the side and coming up with the man-made laws and rules and regulations and thinking that will benefit us more. Because that's the, that's the rub, or that's the Lord, that's the false God of today, which is secularism. That's what it is today. You don't have to have a statue in front of you to worship and bow down. You don't have to have a stone God and then you'll worship and then there will be shirk. Today's gods are different. And secularism is one of them. Because what belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to love Allah by obeying Him, now it becomes a creation of Allah, the people start following. And life affair becomes, that belongs to man. When it comes to my spirituality, I come to the masjid, I go pray, do the hajj, fast, all those things go along with what Allah wants. But when it comes to my life affairs, Allah has nothing to do with it. Then how is Allah being obeyed there? How is being Allah really loved there then? These are the questions I'm raising here. So we understand sometimes they become kind of a blurry in our minds. We don't realize that what we are talking about. But this is the reality of it. And when we talk about the love of Allah and His Messenger as a legacy of Rasulullah Look, by words and by many of our actions are very evident we all love Allah and His Messenger. But there has been some confusion made among the Muslims that we don't realize that this love has to be in an absolute term. It has to be comprehensively. Would people make mistakes? Yes, people make mistakes. People make mistakes is not the issue. But to put the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the side and thinking something else is better than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that's problematic. That's the problematic thing. Mistakes is not a problem. There's a hadith that Rasulullah says, Kullu bani Adam All the bani Adam, the children of Adam alayhi salatu wasalam, all the mankind, they make mistakes. Best among them are the one who repent to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, return back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when we talk about the love of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, it has to be connected to obedience of Allah and His Messenger, and it is not only about salah, it's not about only fasting, it's not about hajj. If that would have been the case, or it's not about morality also either. Let me connect it to you so, so we understand. When we talk about morality, isn't it known for us that Rasulullah was referred as Al-Sadiq Wal-Ameen prior to he was appointed as a prophet? We all know that. We all know that. Did the kuffar of the Makkah have any issue with Rasulullah being Al-Sadiq Wal-Ameen? Not only did they not have issue, they loved him. They loved Muhammad for being that honest and the truth, a truthful one. They loved him. Did they really have an issue of worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Not really. Not in the right way. When it comes to worship, they had 360 gods. They were very worshipping people. 
They had the issue with worshipping one Allah, meaning in the absolute term. Same way, did they have any problem with the Hajj? They had Hajj before the Rasulullah Not only that, people all across the Jazeera Arab, Arabian Peninsula, they used to come for the, for the Hajj. They did not have problem with the Hajj. Did they have issue with the charity? You know how much they were into charity? They used to even gamble. I know the brothers are smiling because they were probably doing Rahikul Maktoum here in this gathering on Fridays. Wednesday. And you were discussing probably in the Jahiliyyah, they used to do gambling. And the proceeding will go in charity. <laughs> it's not the issue of charity with them either. Then what happened then when Rasulullah was appointed as a prophet, they continued to call him a Sadiq ul but they were against him now. What changed? What changed was now the love of Allah belongs to only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The obedience only belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Nobody else. Even when we talk about obedience of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, it is connected to obedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is to get the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's not only Muhammad sallallahu alone on the side as a personality. And this can be seen by the Sahaba, Ridwanullah alayhim, the best generation. There is nobody here would doubt that they were the one who really love Allah, Rasulullah sallallahu They really love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because Rasulullah sallallahu witnessed, he is the one who said the best generation is a generation of the Sahaba. As a whole, they were the best generation. There's no doubt in our, in our eyes, in our minds, in our hearts, that that was the best generation. They were the most beloved one to Muhammad About them, we know that when Rasulullah was making migration, Abu Bakr Siddiq he used to walk in front of the Rasulullah sometime, sometime he would walk behind Rasulullah and Rasulullah asked Abu Bakr, what is wrong with you? What, are you? Why, what are you doing? Why do you walk in front and walk behind sometime? Abu Bakr said, Ya Rasulullah, sometime I feel like that the enemy will attack you from the front. So I go in the front. So you would not be harmed. And sometime I feel like he's going to attack from the back, so I will go behind you. So I can defend you. That's the love of Rasulullah the Sahaba had. And as bin Malik said, the best day of his life was when Rasulullah he entered Medina. And he said the worst day or the darkest day of his life was when Rasulullah left this dunya. This is how they love. We know in Uhad, in Badr, yes. My life, because if I die, Subhanallah. But you die, you are the whole Subhanallah. And you find many, many incidents like that. And that, that's connected to Umar al-Khattab. Rasulullah sallam holding his hand, that was enough for him to remember how much he loved Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, as we said in the beginning. And the very same Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, when he died. Now look what happens now. And the, I'm, I'm referring to all these things that happened in month of Rabi'ul Awwal, right? So now when he died, as it says that Umar bin Khattab radiallahu he took out his sword. And he is moving his sword. Anybody who says Rasulullah is dead, he's going to chop off his head. Uthman radiallahu he could not speak. He became silent, mute. He could not speak because of the, 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 the disaster that they were feeling that Muhammad passed away. Uthman, Ali radiallahu 
He went to Fatima's house and he locked the door. He cannot face anybody anymore. Who's the sensible one at that time? Not I'm saying the Sahaba were not sensible rest, but the one who is still comprehending the things properly and reminded the Sahaba. It was Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu The greatest friend of Rasulullah sallallahu as Rasulullah mentioned, because he referred to Allah as the Rafiq al Otherwise, Abu Bakr was the closest to him. He says, Man kana minkum ya'budu Muhammadan sallallahu alayhi wa sallam fa inna Muhammadan qad matu. He said, whosoever amongst you worship, used to worship Muhammad sallallahu he should know Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam died. Wa man kana minkum ya'budu allaha fa inna allaha hayyu la yamutu. That whosoever worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he should know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is alive, he never dies. And then he decided, وَمَا مُحَمَّدٌ إِلَّا رَسُولٌ قَدْ خَلَتْ مِنْ قَبْلِهِ الرُّسُلٌ أَفَإِمَّاتَ أَوْ قُتِلَا أَنْقَلَبْتُمْ عَلَىٰ عَقَابِكُمْ وَمَنْ يَنْقَلِبْ عَلَىٰ عَقَبَيْهِ فَلَنْ يَضُرَّ اللَّهَ شَيْئًا فَسَيَجْزِ اللَّهُ الشَّاكِرِينَ Abu Bakr Siddiq recited this ayah from Surah Al-Imran that was revealed during Ghazwatu Ahad. There was a rumor that Rasulullah was killed at that time. To remind the Sahaba at that time, and he was reciting this. The meaning of the ayah is, says, Muhammad is no more than a messenger. And indeed, many messengers have passed away before him. If he dies or killed, will you then turn back on your heels as disbelievers? And he who turns back on his heels, not the least harm will he do to Allah. And Allah give reward to those who are grateful. <coughs> Subhanallah. Umar al-Khattar radiallahu anhu, he says, that he felt as if this ayah was just revealed. Not that he did not know the ayah. He knew the ayah. But Abu Bakr reminded them the reality that they were in. And he says that his legs could not hold his body. And he sat down. And similar kind of things we find for Sahaba. Sahaba after hearing this from Abu Bakr, all of them had this ayah on their mouths. They are just continuously reciting this ayah to remind all the Sahaba the reality of passing away of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. One of the darkest days of the history when Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam left from this dunya. But even at that time, Sahaba understood that loving Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was a mean to love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's what it was connected to. And now look, the one that we talked about, you cannot be a believer unless you love Muhammad sallallahu more than everything else. You know what happened after death of Rasulullah He passed away which day? Anybody knows? Which day of the week was it? Monday. You know when he was buried? Anybody? Huh? He was buried Wednesday night. Everybody know here, because I know in Masajid, whenever we hear about somebody dies, we hurry up to bury the person as soon as possible. Because this is the ikram of the mayyad. We try our best, Unless there are reasons for holding up, we try to bury a person as soon as possible. Now look at the person we're talking about. The most beloved person on the face of the earth today even. He is the most beloved person on the earth. Everybody loves Muhammad. All the Muslimin, one point plus whatever, seven billion Muslims, they love Muhammad Every second of the day, 
somebody is sending du'as to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Somebody is doing the adhan, some part of the world, or praying, doing the salah, in the salah, making du'a for Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, or having gatherings, or even just talking. He is the most quoted person in the world. Most quoted person in the world. That person, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, when he died, among the people who are the best carriers of the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They did not bury him on Monday. They did not bury him. Why? That's part of the legacy of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to be remembered. What is that legacy? That he left the people like Sahaba behind him, who carried the deen in the best possible manner. What were they waiting for? Must be something more important than burying the Prophet. Isn't it? Must be something more important than burying the most beloved person on the face of the earth. Imam Shaukani, he says, when Prophet ﷺ passed away, the companions prioritized the matter of the political leadership, the imamah, and pledging alliance, uh, allegiance to an imam over everything else. To the extent they were busy with it, giving it priority over the funeral, Preparation of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam from the strongest evidences for the obligation of appointing an imam and pledging allegiance to him is what Ahmad, Tirmidhi, Ibn Khuzayma, Ibn Habban in his Sahih extracted of the hadith of Al-Hadith Al-Ashari in the wording that Rasulullah says whosoever dies was not having over him an imam of the jama'ah, then indeed his death is the death of jahiliyyah. This is the strongest evidence to remember. Look, we remember Rasulullah Rabi'ul Awwal is there, we're gonna remember. No, we're not, we don't remember him only in Rabi'ul Awwal. We remember Muhammad all the time. Every action that we are undertaking, we know that we have to do, for, abide by the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, By Rabb, Allah will ask you all. What did He ask you? What you used to do, whatever you were doing. Meaning every action we undertake, we have to know what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants from us. And for that, we are connected through Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He's the one who brought the message to us. So we remember Muhammad for every action we're undertaking. Even when we're going to sleep. We remember Muhammad So how can we say that we only remember in Rabi al-Awwal? Yes, sometimes certain things, certain days we can remember somebody more than the other as a human being. But Muhammad was different than any regular human being. And he must be remembered. He must be loved. And the loving Muhammad is connected to our Iman. Now, I, I made a statement that I will talk about one, more, one thing. Which is, if we love Allah, if we love anything more than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, any one of us, I assure you, our dunya and akhirah is at the brink of destruction. If we love anything more than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the reason is, if we love those things, whether it's wealth, whether it's children, whether it's our jobs, whether it's our status, whether it's our power, whether you are trained 
a tyrant, whatsoever you are, you, we know we are going to lose it. We're all going to die. We will lose all this. And if we lose it while we are alive, you will find people in depression because they lost their purpose of life now. The thing they love the most, they, got, they, they lost it. And, but not, by not loving Allah more than everything, our akhirah is at the risk. This is why it is important for us to love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala above all. And Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, one of the greatest legacy was that he is the, he's the one who conveyed the message to us how to love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Inshallah, I'll stop my talk here. If there is any questions or comments about the talk, I would love to answer if I can. <coughs> yes. Sure. Zakallah khair for reminding. Because uh, sometimes I, uh, this is a bad habit. I say certain things and I don't realize that there is a context that maybe some people may not have. So, <clears throat> after Rasulullah passed away, and actually when he was alive, it was well known that the two main superpowers of the world were Romans and Persians, or Byzantine and Persians. These are the, the big powers for centuries. And they used to fight with each other all the time as well. Arabs were nobody. Before Rasulullah came, they were nobody. They were looked down as these people live in the barren land. They have nothing. There was no oil there. Okay? There was no Saudi oil or Bahraini oil or Qatari oil or, or Iraqi oil or Iranian oil. There was no oil. There was dug up like that. So they used to look down at them, especially these Persians because they were dealing with them. But they dealt with them in a you know, like uh, untouchables. These Arabs are nobody. We don't care about them. How can they dare? Because in the time of Umar al-Khattab, Islam ex- spread many, multiple continents. Okay? And Islam started, this, the Sahaba, they were carrying the Islam to the, towards the Roman Empire, towards the Persian Empire, and there were battles and the wars that happened. Look at that. The status of Arabs were they were nobody, and they are now fighting with the superpowers, and they still did not have all sorts of equipments or wealth or anything. They are fighting why? It's not like they are just crazy people and they want to make people Muslim on the sword or anything. No such thing like Rahaf al-Din. There is no compulsion in Deen Islam. The reason they were going to the Persians were so they can. They can let the people know what the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is. And these people, the rulers, they were the ones who were becoming the barriers. And hence those wars happened. And in those wars, one of the wars was against the Persian Empire. By the way, there were wars where we find that Muslims became, they, they, they beat the Romans and the Persians to the point, the long-term enemies of each other, they start helping each other now against the Muslims. So Muslims were fighting both the powers in parallel also. Both superpowers. So when you're talking about those Persians, it's a very interesting uh, event actually, if you read the history. So when the Muslims were taking the Islam towards the Persians, 
This battle happened, which is the battle of Qadisiyah. Of Qadisiyah. And in this battle, Rustam asked, send me some, somebody from your side, I want to talk to him. So, Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas, radiallahu an, he sent Rubay bin Amir, radiallahu an, to talk on behalf of the Muslims. Now when he went there, it's a very interesting incident. He's on a very short horse, or maybe a mule. He had very rugged kind of a clothes he's wearing. And his, his sword was actually did not even have a sheath. It was just some cloth was wrapped around it. Okay? And now when he was about to enter the courtyard of Rustam, the people came, his guards, tried to stop him. And he continued walking between them with his horse. And they had a nice Persian carpet. By the way, they had very nice Persian carpet from that time. And now he is going with the horse and his spear is hanging and cutting through the carpet. Why is he doing that? Because he wanted to put the fear in the heart of the enemy there. Okay? And now when he got there, so he asked, he started asking the question, so Rustam to Rubai bin Amr regarding why they are here. He wanted to just give them some money and clothes, go away. You don't worth fighting. We don't want to spend even our time on you guys. Go away. And of course, the result at the end was Muslims won the battle of the Qadisiyah, and that was the turning point for the Muslims against the Persian Empire. Just to give some historical thing. I am talking about, by the way, there's another masjid I gave the talks on Umar al-Khattab radiallahu uh, It's almost at the end, but this is, the talks are available online. If anybody's interested, I can, inshallah, give the, the link to it. There's like 50 plus talks over there already on Umar al-Khattab. It will be difficult to cover all here now. But I hope that it gives you some idea, yeah? Any other questions or comments? Yes. So as I said, Rasulullah passed away uh, Monday during the daytime, and uh, uh, Sahaba were continuously discussing about the issue of who will be the Amirul Mu'mineen or the Khalifa Rasul. And uh, just a quick snap, snapshot about that, and then I'll tell you when he was buried. Um, so he, uh, the Sahaba, they were discussing with each other. Ansar gathered at, uh, uh, at, uh, at one of the halls, and they were discussing who should be the next uh, Amir. And they actually were thinking of Sa'ad bin Ubadah, to become the Amir of, of the Sahaba, or the Khalifa Rasul. Because they understood this is a very important thing. And uh, then when Abu Bakr and Umar when they found out, they went to the uh, uh, to, to, to Saqifa and they started talking to Sahaba and then Abu Bakr was decided to cut the story short. And after that, now Sahaba start gathering, which was Wednesday night. When we say Wednesday night, what we mean by that is in Islam, uh, Wednesday night starts after the Tuesday sun sets and the night starts. That's the Wednesday night. In Islam, the night comes before the day, right? When we, have a, when we see the moon for Ramadan, uh, we do the Salat Tarawih that day, right? So we haven't fasted yet, but Salat Tarawih starts, because that's the first of Ramadan after the Maghrib prayer. So that's the Wednesday night. And then Sahaba continued, they start gathering, and they started praying, small groups of Sahaba, they were praying, and they leaving. And then by Wednesday morning, they buried Rasulullah Okay?
But that's a, that's a, and th th there is no, you can find, I, I have like a bunch of uh, opinions of different scholars, they are talking about this very same subject. And they are, there's agreed upon thing everybody knows, that Rasulullah was buried later because of, they were waiting for Amir to be appointed. You have the question. I was just going to ask around the same question as like the or postponing the burial of Rukh. You mentioned yes. that there had to be something. So in the fiqh, in general, when we talk about ahkam, right, if you are, there's an obligation on our neck, which means a fard, right? We know burial of a person is fard al-kifaya. Fard al-kifaya means it's a communal obligation. If a some member of the community take care of that stuff, then the father is uh, been taken care of by the whole community. But if it's not taken care of by the community, then also the, any, and nobody, then everybody is under the sin. Now, because the Prophet was not buried, so that, that can be considered as well, does that mean they were under the sin? No, the thing is, a fard can only be postponed if Allah allows it. So Sahaba, as ijma'a of the Sahaba, consensus of the Sahaba was, that appointing the leadership over the Muslims is more important than burying Rasulullah Hence, it was delayed until the Khalifa of Rasul was appointed. Okay? Does that make sense? Why is it yeah, I was just gonna, like, yeah, can you like elaborate more on the importance of having that position? Yeah, yeah, uh, I think uh, uh, as a Muslims, we are very well aware of it uh, that uh, uh, Khalifa Rasul is the symbol of unity of the Ummah. It unites the Ummah. He is the symbol, not only symbol, reality. He is the one that implemented the deen of Allah Azza wa Without that, we cannot implement the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Here and there, you can talk about our individualistic Islam, right? But when it comes to societal, which is the majority of the deen, it is connected to the state that implements the deen of Allah subhanahu wa So you have to have a leadership. See that, unfortunately our minds have been trained in a manner, the moment somebody talks about political aspect of Islam, I don't know, no, 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 don't talk about that part. While what we're forgetting is, we are talking about obligation. So how understood that such a huge obligation that they postponed the burial of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the most beloved person for us. For the whole mankind. Can we even question the love of Sahaba towards Rasulullah None of us can. How can we do that? They are the ones who passed on the whole deen to us. The whole Quran was passed on by the Sahaba's generation. So there is no doubt in their love of Muhammad It's the issue of priorities. It's always goes to priority. When I was talking about the ayah, قُلْ إِنْ كَانَ آبَاؤُكُمْ وَأَبْنَاؤُكُمْ وَإِخْوَانُكُمْ وَأَزْوَاجُكُمْ وَعَشِيدَتُكُمْ وَأَمْوَانِ الْقِرَفْتَمُوهَا When we're talking about those things, those are all the things that we must be doing. But if the priority-wise, if we, if we love them more than Allah, then wait for the decree from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay? Yes. You know, um, when I was talking about something, when I talked about Rasulullah when he was migrating, and that happened in Rabi'u Awal as well. 
You know, when in the time of Umar, I'm digressing from the subject because just to make a point here. Umar al-Khattab al-Allah's time, what happened was there was a document was presented to him, and it was saying the date was the month of Shawwal. So it was asked which month of Shawwal is it talking about the document? This year's Shawwal, last year's Shawwal, or the coming year's Shawwal? How do we tell? Because there was no Islamic calendar at that time yet. Then they say, oh, we have to have a calendar. Now, Umar al-Khattab started asking Sahaba, and this is what he used to do, consult the Sahaba about this. He would gather Sahaba in the Medina, as we were discussing before <coughs> we were eating. Umar al-Khattab was one of those Sahaba that when he was a Khalifa, he did not let the Sahaba go away from Medina for too long. Yes, he, they went for battles and stuff, but they come back. They had to stay in Medina. So he would always consult the Sahaba around him. So he started consulting. So they said, we have to have a calendar. So we can tell which one is the right, which year we're talking about. Some Sahaba said, how was the birth of Rasulullah Others said, what about the death of Rasulullah Or the prophethood of Rasulullah They did not take the passing away of Rasulullah They said, because that's a very sad day for us. We cannot we cannot remember by his passing away. Then the Sahaba agreed on, and Ali was I think, one of the, the people who suggested that the Hijrah is the most important event for the Muslims. So let's start our year from the year of the Hijrah. So our calendar starts from Hijrah because that's important more than anything else for Sahaba and everybody, they understood the significance of it. You know, uh, I, I, I was actually today in the Saturday school, I was discussing with the kids also. Uh, think of this way. How many of you refer to the things nowadays, or oh, that something happened pre-pandemic, or during pandemic, or post-pandemic? We do, right? Like, I know one of the brothers here, Hamza, oh, he got made during pandemic. Pandemic <laughs> babies. <laughs> Pandemic, he got made in pandemic. <laughs> or we will find kids who will be remembered as he was born during the pandemic. Right? Why do we do that? Because we normally think of the things connected to important events that happen around us. And within the family, sometimes we talk like this. Or, you know, like they will talk about two cousins. Or he is younger than the other one because he was born that time and something like this was happening. Within the family, they talk like this. Also, Allah's birth is remembered as what? He was born in Amul Fil. An important event happened at that time. And these are, this is how we remember things. Right? So, important thing here was a hijrah for Sahaba as an ijma'ah for them. Such, an, such a great event, I remember one of my sons, he told me his, kid told, his teacher, world history teacher, non-Muslim teacher, his remark about the Hijrah was, this is one of the greatest events of the history of the mankind. Even non-Muslims know this. How many of us know? See, this is what happens when somebody else is writing our history, somebody else wants to learn the history from their perspective, then you start looking up to those people who have written the history for you. They make their people as heroes. So the colonialists, when they came to the Muslim lands, they built the mentality this way. Everything is from the reference point of the Europe. Everything is Euro-centric. 
No matter what we talk about, they will try to link everything to Europe. And they will hide whatever the Muslims did. And hence, we have got to the point, many of us, if we try to ask about our history, somebody will say the history starts, oh, from Pakistan, so August 14, our history started. From India, August 15. From Jordan, July 26, I believe. From Saudi, September 23rd. And everybody is remembering their history as their big day, what the colonialist master decided for them as their so-called independence. Independence from what? Free yourself from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Put the command of Allah on the side and rule by man-made laws. We'll give you secularism. Live by that. And then pay the consequences. Like I digress, but... Anyways, anybody else? Any questions? By the way, is there any questions from the sister side also? Habibi, that 12th rebellion is... Yeah, different days are uh, unfortunately uh, the different days are mentioned about that. Ninth or twelfth. Uh, see the thing is it's not the point is it's not really important for us. See I, I don't want to go into the fucking thing. I know it becomes to some people very sensitive issue when we talk about these Eid Milad Nabi and Mawlid and all those things. We know that none of the Sahaba were celebrating that. We know that. We know that the Rasulullah never celebrated that. So, unless we are getting a wahi more than what they had, or to love Allah and His Messenger more than they did, we have our own ways of doing things then, right? So we have to be careful about this, about this whole thing. Because if we think of it, we can get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by other than Quran and Sunnah, that's a problematic thing. That's a problematic thing. It's a no-no thing. Because Rasulullah وسلم, in one of the hadith mentioned that he has given us everything that can take us closer to Jannah. And he has sold us everything that can prevent us from the hellfire. Anything more is obviously not from the Quran and Sunnah. Then. So that's, uh, this is why I don't mind going into these discussions. It's not necessarily that as, as important, I think. Uh, but... Uh, we can talk on the side if you like. Is there a van going on? Yeah. Okay. Okay, then inshallah uh, we'll stop here. Subhanakallah wa hamdik nashidu wa la ilaha illa anta nasafuatu wa Thank you for listening to this podcast. Podcasts on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran tafsir, and sirah are available at islampodcasts.com as well as on iTunes. Rate, review, and comment, and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please subscribe, share, and tell a friend about IslamPodcast.com.